Good morning to you all once again, and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to begin this morning by giving you all a couple little riddles. A man lives on the 10th floor of his building. Every day he takes the elevator down to the ground floor in order to leave the building and go to work. When he returns home, he takes the elevator to the 6th floor and then takes the stairs the rest of the way up to the 10th floor where his apartment is. He does this every day, unless it's raining. If it rains, he rides the elevator all the way to the 10th floor. Why does he do this? Another one. Antony and Cleopatra are lying dead on the floor of a villa in Egypt. The window is open. There is water and broken glass all over the floor. There are no marks on either one of their bodies. And they weren't poisoned. So how did they die? A man rode into town on Friday. Many of you have probably heard this one before. Rode into town on Friday. He stayed for three days. And he also left on Friday. How is this possible? Well, Friday was the name of his horse. He rode in on Friday, and he rode out on Friday. Mr. Black asks for tea and gets $5,000. Then he asks for eyes, but Mrs. White can't give him any. Why is that? Well, he's a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. Do you ever play those kind of mind games? I like those kind of things. I like things that, that make me think. Some people will sit for hours trying to figure those things out. Others will sit there and think, why? Why does somebody even think of things like this? Just so you won't be trying to figure out the other two the rest of the morning during this, during this sermon, I'll give you the answers. In the first case, the reason the man would only go to the sixth floor on his return home was because that was the highest button he could reach because he was a very short man. However, when it was raining, he had his umbrella with him so he could reach the button for the tenth floor. In the second situation, it might help you to know that Antony and Cleopatra are fish. The dog, Brutus, knocked over the fishbowl, which broke, and so there was broken glass on the floor, and they died. So, simple little puzzles. Now that you've got the hang of it, let's try one more. Late on a Friday afternoon, a man dies. He's placed in a tomb on that same night. On Sunday morning, his friends arrive at the grave, only to discover his body is gone. What happened? What happened? This is one that has plagued people for centuries. But the Word of God gives us the answer to this riddle. Jesus conquered death, rose from the grave, and appeared to some of the women, then to his disciples that evening, and then finally to over 500 other people. We already read the resurrection account found in Matthew's Gospel this morning for our scripture reading. I would like us now to read the Apostle Paul's words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on the importance of the resurrection. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I invite you to please stand with me as you're able for the reading from God's Word. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 7, or 1 through 8 actually, and then skipping down and reading 12 through 20. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, it's found on page 815 titled, The Resurrection of Christ. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. 
For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, many of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Skipping down to verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. O oh Lord, on this Resurrection Sunday, again, we come before you just with confidence knowing that we serve a risen Savior as we look at your resurrection from Paul's words this morning, Lord. I just pray that you would guide and direct our hearts and our minds, that you would open your word to us, Lord, and that, as always, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. On June 18, 1815, the Battle of Waterloo ended. The French, uh, under the command of Napoleon, were fighting the Allied forces of British, of Britain and, and the Dutch and the Germans, and they were all under the command of General Wellington. The people of England depended on a system of signals back then to find out how the battle was going and how, thing, how things were going. And one of these signals was on the tower of Winchester Cathedral. Late in the day, it began to flash a signal out that spelled out W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N-D-E-F-E-A-T-E-D. Wellington defeated, but then at that time, a fog bank descended on the tower, and that's all that they could see. Well, the news of the defeat quickly spread through the city, the whole countryside was sad and distraught when they thought they had heard the news that their country had lost the war. But then the fog lifted, and the full message could be seen. The message actually had four words, not two. The complete message was, Wellington defeated the enemy. It took only a few minutes for the good news to spread. Sorrow was turned into joy. Defeat was turned into victory. It's the same story when Jesus was placed in the tomb. Hope had died in the hearts of Jesus' most loyal followers. After the crucifixion, the fog of disappointment and misunderstanding had crept in on them, and they could only read part of the message, Christ defeated. Christ defeated. That was all they knew. But then on the third day, the fog lifted. 
and the world received the complete message, Christ defeated death. Sorrow was turned into joy, death was turned into life, and the Apostle Paul tells us many things in the passage that we just read. But the main crux of his message was that if Christ hadn't defeated death, we have no hope, and we are still in our sins. This is the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you all this morning some thoughts on the resurrection that are taken from Paul's words here from 1 Corinthians 15. And the first thought is this. The resurrection is good news. One of the differences between Christianity and every other religion on earth is that all the other religions, their founders, are dead. Our founder, the Lord Jesus Christ, rose from the grave and is alive today. If you were to go to the tombs of, I don't know, Muhammad or Confucius, Buddha, all the others, there would be a stone or something that says, here he lies. Here he lies. This is where his body is. If you were able to go to the tomb where Jesus was laid, the words of the angel would ring out in your ears, he is not here he has risen. It's good news that the tomb is empty. Paul wrote that if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. The message that Paul preached was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells us what that gospel is in verses 3 and 4. He said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Most of you know this, but the word gospel literally means good news. It means good news. But if the resurrection is taken from the message of the gospel, then we're left with sad news, not good news. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of the 19th century, gave some of his ministerial students an assignment they were to go out and conduct nightly evangelistic tent meetings throughout the city of Chicago. The students were to preach nightly sermons as a means of winning souls for Christ and just to practice their preaching techniques. Well, Dr. Moody personally showed up one night unannounced to one of his students' meeting to hear his uh, young minister preach. The young man did quite a, a lovely job expounding on the death of Christ on the cross for the sins of the world. And at the close of the service, he mentioned that everyone should come back the next night when he would preach on the resurrection of Christ. After the people left, Moody approached this young man, and he said, young man, you may not be back here tomorrow night. Many of these people may not be back tomorrow night, and consequently, they've only heard half of the gospel. Now, Moody may have been a little hard on his young student, but what he said is true. The cross of Christ is only half the message of the gospel, and half of a gospel is not good news. Paul tells us in Romans 4.25 that Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. There's two parts of it. So yes, we preach the cross of Christ, because that's where our sins were atoned for. But Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. So we preach the resurrection as well, because without the resurrection, we're still in our sins. 
I said that the resurrection is good news, and it is. But it's also good news because through it, we can trust everything else that Jesus said. Jesus predicted his resurrection on many occasions. At first, he used only vague terms. He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. And John tells us that he was talking about the temple of his body. Later on in his ministry, he spoke more plainly. Matthew tells us in, in Matthew 16, 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. In Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus said, As Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. Later in Matthew 20, Jesus predicted, We're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Mark records Jesus saying in Mark 14, 28, After I am risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. In John chapter 10, we find Jesus proclaiming these words, The reason my Father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Jesus had told his disciples many times about his upcoming suffering, death, and resurrection. But when Jesus was placed in the tomb after dying on the cross, it seems like his followers had forgotten everything that he had told them. To the women who came to Christ's tomb on Easter morning and wondered where Jesus' body was, the angel said, He is not here. He has risen just as he said. If the resurrection didn't happen, we would have to admit that Jesus lied. And therefore, his words can't be trusted. But he did conquer death. He did rise from the grave, so we can and should believe everything else that he says. If a promise as amazing as the resurrection came true, we can be sure that everything else he has promised us in his word will also be fulfilled. The second thought I have to share with you this morning is that the resurrection ensures salvation. Paul wrote in verse 14 that if Christ has not been raised, that our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. In verse 17, he wrote, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. Faith in a dead man can't save anyone. Pretend that you're running down the street, you're being chased by a known killer. It's dark outside. And as you frantically run away from him, you see up ahead a cemetery on the right and a house on the left that has lights on inside. How many of you would run to the cemetery for help? How many of you would run to the house where there's lights on? Probably more likely to do that. I think if I asked that same question to most people, most people would choose to run to the house. Why? Because the cemetery is just filled with dead bodies that can do nothing to help you. 
But the house, the house might contain living people who could help, who could maybe open the door for you, let you inside, close the door, offer you protection, offer you shelter. We go to the living for help, not the dead. So if Jesus Christ did not rise and is still dead, then he has no power to save us and our faith is useless, as Paul says, and we're still in our sins and we have no salvation. Another thought about the resurrection is the fact that the resurrection gives us hope. It gives us hope. Verse 20 states, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits are the first part of the harvest, the, the first fruit that forms. And the first fruits were the guarantee to the farmer that the full harvest was on its way. That it's coming. So Christ, who has been raised, is the firstfruits. He is the guarantee of the resurrection of all of God's redeemed people. However, if Christ's body is still in the grave, there is no guarantee. There is no hope for a better tomorrow. And there's no hope of salvation. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul addresses some believers who were feeling distraught. They were, they were sad because some of their Christian relatives and friends had already passed away and Christ hadn't returned yet. The first century church thought Christ was coming back in their lifetime. So some people had died and they, they were distraught. So Paul wrote to them. And he said, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about those who had died. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He said, we believe Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. He then explains that the Lord will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That, my friends, is a message of hope. And if Jesus had remained in the grave, there would be no hope of a future resurrection with him. Paul concluded that passage in 1 Thessalonians by saying, therefore, encourage one another with these words. They are words of hope, words of encouragement. Because Christ conquered death, we have hope. As Bill and Gloria Gaither put it, because he lives, what? I can face tomorrow because he lives. Again, what? All fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living. Why? Just because he lives. So the resurrection gives hope to our lives of faith. Even in a world that's growing more and more and more antagonistic to the Christian faith. Life is indeed worth living just because he lives. Paul said in verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But the resurrection gives us hope for the life to come if we have faith in Jesus' finished work from the cross to the empty tomb. And finally, to me, the resurrection is 
a message of joy, great joy. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. We see hope lead to joy in that verse. Psalm 1611 says, You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The psalmist says we'll experience eternal joy in the presence of the Lord. But we can't be in his presence eternally if he's still in the grave. We serve a risen, living Savior. In Isaiah chapter 35, we have a chapter that's titled, The Joy of the Redeemed. In verse 10 of this chapter, we read these words. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. How many of you remember the the little chorus from the 1970s that was based on that verse? If you know it, sing it along with me. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Anybody remember that? No? It's a great song. Great song. In fact, if you want to, it's number one six, I'm sorry, 761 in our hymn books. We live with joy because we serve a risen Savior. There's no joy for the believer if Jesus never rose from the grave. We can look at the resurrection and we can say honestly with the Apostle Paul, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If Christ has not been raised, why bother going to church? Right? We're no more than just a social club. If Christ has not been raised, and you're probably better off somewhere else. If Christ has not been raised, why should I bother to preach? I might as well go find another calling. If Christ has not been raised, why bother putting money in the offering plate? You're only giving to a lost cause. If Christ has not been raised, why bother to serve him? You're only wasting your time and your energy. If Christ has not been raised, why choose to suffer for him? You're only causing yourself needless pain. If Christ has not been raised, why take the time to tell others about him? You might as well save your breath. If Christ has not been raised, why sing songs about him? You might as well sing songs about the Easter bunny and and, and jelly beans and colored eggs and marshmallows and chocolate. No, I like all those things, but I'm not going to sing songs about it. If Christ is not risen, then our faith is empty Our preaching is useless, and he has failed to deal with the problem of sin. If he has not been raised from the tomb, we are still in our sins, and all his promises are absolutely untrue. And he would be a fraud, he would be an imposter, and his body would still be buried somewhere under the ground in Palestine today. If Christ has not been raised, then there is no hope beyond the grave for anybody. And those who have died professing faith in him are just left there in the grave forever. That's where we stand without the resurrection. But what did Paul say in verse 20? This is the pivotal verse. But Christ has indeed 
been raised from the dead. And since Christ has been raised, the opposite of all of that is true. We can say with all confidence, since Christ is risen, our faith in him saves, our preaching converts, he has gained complete victory over sin and death. Since he has been raised from the tomb, we are saved from our sins, and all of his promises are absolutely true. He is the Lord as he claims to be, and he is exalted in heaven today. There is hope beyond the grave for all who put their trust in him. There is joy in living for him as we await his second coming. And all of those who have died professing faith in him are rejoicing in his presence now. That's the promise of the message of the resurrection. Sigmund Freud, the founder of psychology, wrote this. It's a depressing thought. He said, and finally, there is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably ever will be. Isn't that a sad thought? But Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, have victory in death and over death because of the victory of Jesus Christ in his own resurrection. Jesus said in John 14, 19, Because I live, you also will live. Every year, thousands of people climb a mountain in the Italian Alps, passing the different stations of the cross to stand at an outdoor crucifix. One tourist noticed a little trail that led beyond the cross. It was overgrown, hadn't been used for a while, you could tell. He fought through the rough rough thicket and overgrown bushes, and in surprise, he came upon another shrine, a shrine that symbolized the empty tomb. But it had been neglected. The brush had grown up around it. The path to it had almost been obscured. Almost everyone who came to that site went as far as the cross. But that's where they stopped. Far too many people have arrived at the cross and have known only the despair and the heartbreak, just like the disciples on Friday night and all day Saturday. They were hidden away in fear, not knowing what the next day or the next hour would bring. Far too few have moved beyond the cross to find the truth of the resurrection. This is the message of the empty tomb, the message of salvation, the message of hope, the message of joy. Jesus' disciples were hiding in fear. They had no hope. They had no joy on Friday night or Saturday. They had fled from the scene on Thursday night when Jesus had been arrested. And according to the scriptures, only one of them, John, was said to be at the cross when Jesus was crucified. But all of that changed when Jesus rose on Sunday morning and he appeared to them that same evening. Their fear turned to joy. They had hope once again because Jesus had conquered death and had risen from the grave. So the message of the resurrection is good news. The gospel is the message of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. The resurrection brings salvation. As Romans 1.16 said, it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Jesus is alive, and he is able to save all who come to him through faith. The resurrection gives us hope, and not only hope for our eternal salvation, but also hope while we're still living here in this world. And the resurrection brings joy. 
I'm not to be pitied beyond all men. Through faith in the risen Christ, we have an inexpressible and glorious joy, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.8. For we are receiving the goal of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. So I ask you today, have you been saved through faith in the crucified and risen Jesus Christ? Do you have hope? Do you have joy today? Because all of these are possible for you because Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave. If any of you have any questions about where you stand with the Lord today, I would love to visit with you after the service or or sometime this week. I hope you know that the Lord loves you. I hope you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins as we celebrated Friday evening. And I hope you know that he conquered death and rose from the grave to give you salvation and hope and joy as you live for him still today. As we close this morning one more time, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.